In June of 1971, Frank Benny, the main weather anchor at WGRZ in Buffalo, New York, walked into the Homestead Savings and Loan Bank wearing a stocking over his head and a fake gun in his pocket. He walked out with over $500 in his pocket. The easily identifiable TV weatherman was quickly arrested and therefore not available to deliver the evening weather report. In steps the station's science reporter, June Bacon Bursey. It's just a week before spring hits by the calendar, but old man winter is reluctant to leave. The 42-year-old African-American woman had a degree in meteorology and zero criminal record. She slid into the role with ease, making her America's first female broadcast meteorologist. Within months, she continued to trailblaze, being named the station's chief meteorologist. At that time, weathercasters, female weathercasters, were doing weather in a way that they would grab the public's attention by playing gullies and doing all little silly and absurd things. Well, I didn't want to do it, but they prevailed upon me, and I agreed, and I loved it afterwards, and became a television weathercaster. Today, in honor of Black History Month, we are going off the radar and back in time to get a glimpse into the life of June Bacon Bursey through the eyes of her daughter. She pursued meteorology, quite frankly, with a vengeance because at that time there were so many objections about why uh, she shouldn't. So I grew up that knowing very clearly uh, about mission and resistance and resilience. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. June Bacon-Bursey is an iconic name in the meteorology world, but perhaps lesser known to the general public. She was born in 1928 and was raised in Wichita, Kansas. She earned her bachelor's degree in meteorology from UCLA in the 50s. As a woman and a minority during this turbulent time in our country, June never faltered. And one person that lived this journey with her was her daughter, Dale St. Clair. Today, I'm talking to Dale about the life and legacy of her mother, not just as a pioneer in broadcast meteorology, but also about what it was like growing up as June's daughter. Dale and I kind of bonded when we talked. She and I both grew up with very strong, driven, scientifically-minded mothers, and it clearly shaped both of our career trajectories. Please enjoy my talk with Dale St. Clair. All right, Dale St. Clair, uh, your mother was just an amazing trailblazer in the world of meteorology, not just for women, not just for minorities, but for all meteorologists. She was a trailblazer, so I'd love to get some background um, from you about her and what it was like in the early part of her career. Can you tell me about early in life and her interest in weather and how she got started becoming interested in it? 
Yes. Um, uh, thank you for asking. And it's uh, I uh, people ask me why I'm in, uh, involved in climate tech today, which is is my uh, professional path, but partly. And I always say it was in my DNA. Uh, but that's the truth. <laughs> my mom uh, uh, and I were very close. Uh, and we, she was married three times and had full custody of, of, uh, her, her daughter throughout, uh, was friends of all, all of her husbands. I always say she, they just couldn't keep up with her. Uh, but she <laughs> was, uh, uh, born with the mission and, uh, was very clear on, uh, uh, was very clear on that. Uh, she became a meteorologist when she saw the mushroom cloud on the cover of a uh, time magazine as a, as a young student and was, truly uh, concerned about what the part the particles uh, from the mushroom crowds was going to do to the atmosphere. I mean, that just vanished. I mean, I was not thinking about that when I, <laughs> I thought was a young student. Right. But my mom's mind was just uh, the, the curiosity and the dedication and the uh, and, and really the commitment uh, being gifted with you know, skills as we all are, we're here, we're professionals, we, uh, but, but really being uh, gifted to, uh, to and knowing that she was here for a mission and that was, uh, that was her mission. Um, and she pursued meteorology, quite frankly, with a vengeance because at that time there were so many objections about why uh, she shouldn't, uh, but she did because she truly believed she was meant to um, be part of the ecosystem of, of discerning directly related to climate change. Uh, but, and the world wasn't really thinking about the environment or thinking about what they were doing in the atmosphere. So that's why she pursued meteorology. Um, it was against all odds. She was, uh, she had, uh, as she did everything, uh, mapped out her, her path. And she had already mapped out the schools around the country that had a four-year meteorology program. And specifically went to UCLA because as uh, growing up in a fairly conservative family, she could only go to a, a school away from home near a relative. Uh, so my aunt lived in Westwood. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, that, but literally that was, uh, you know, cause and effect, factoring in uh, what she could and could not do. But she, UCLA was her number one choice because uh, Aunt uh, Tensi lived in Westwood. And when she arrived at New UCLA with the, as an honors math student and she declared meteorology as her major, uh, her, her appointed counselor uh, discouraged her and, and, and dissuaded, uh, tried to dissuade her by saying that wasn't a good path uh, for a, a smart young woman, that she should pursue home economics. And my mom uh, uh, obviously didn't agree, but she took uh, thermodynamics that next sem semester along with home economics and got a C plus in home ec and an a, a plus in thermodynamics. And um, she's very disappointed about the C plus. That was probably the only one she received in her entire academic career. Um, but my point is there was no support. And I, I said at the outset that the AMS had, had been uh, foundational uh, in supporting my mother. My mom, while she was at UCLA within first or second semester, <laughs> went to the AMS. <laughs> I don't know what she did. I just know who she met and the outcome. I don't even know why she did. I mean, I, it would never occur to me to go to a professional organization. Um, but she went to the MS and she found, uh, you know, frankly, uh, very friendly and supportive uh, white men who were um, her mentors. And she was also uh, working on a project uh, simultaneously while in school with the, the Weather Service in uh, Washington, D.C., so her by this time, she's a junior in college and she was already uh, involved or active, if you would say, in the local AMS and, and, and had uh, 
uh, a project in uh, D.C. with the uh, uh, the Weather Service, you know, now NOAA at the time. So I grew up that knowing very clearly uh, about mission and resistance and resilience. So she was born in the 20s. So we're talking 40s and 50s here that she's in college. Yep. How did she even know that she was good at math and this was a career that even existed? I didn't know these things in the 90s. And so I, I don't know how this is possible. Did she have a great support system? Were her parents very supportive of this? Well, um, she was born in 1928. So she was in schools, uh, uh, you know, by, by the time she was in college, it was in the early 50s. She was born. So, no, um, her she was raised by um, her, her great aunt. Um, the women that she was raised by were uh, entrepreneurs uh, and trailblazers in their own right. Uh, and I, I think it's that DNA um, It's the DNA that you have as an entrepreneur and, and very much of what I described as a entrepreneurial discipline. Um, you know, in, in this case, but then the the world of ac- academics and science. Um, but that that spirit of uh, resilience, that spirit of figuring it out. And that is uh, and I think it's more the support system of 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 confidence, of of love, of knowing that even though you're surrounded by a world of no's and and and, and people don't necessarily see what you have to offer, but knowing I and mean, having that security. Um, and confidence in yourself. You know, she was a high learner at a very young age. And so she was friends with a librarian because <laughs> that's where she spent most of her time. Um, I mean, she had friends, but um, but she was always in the library because that's where you found, that's where you were able to learn. Um, and a lot of this wasn't even in, you know, the local schools in Wichita. Um, so she knew who the first meteorologist was. I mean, she did her pretty extensive homework um, on the field of meteorology and who who was the first, uh, um, you know, who were, who were the first in the respective p- profession in terms of of academia, in particular. And speaking of first, she was the first degreed female meteorologist to give an on air weather report. Correct. She was first female um, meteorologist uh, in broadcasts, uh, and she knew that was another pursuit of hers. She was a scientist first. And she was very clear um, um, early on that she wanted to be a broadcast meteorologist. She uh, so her her dream was not. I mean, that was a vision from really day one. So the years as a radar meteorologist um, in the Atomic Energy Commission and the National Weather Service, um, in, in many ways, were was training for her as she pers- uh, knew her next step was broadcast journalism. She took classes in journalism at night at NYU while working full time during the day at, for the National Weather Service. Um, and she did that because she was always her her number one goal was always preparedness. I mean, she and there's no question you raised that to me. She always said chance favors the prepared mind. But we were very, very close. Um, and I was part of her journey and part of all the no's that came back. And when she accepted a job as a science reporter, I was stunned and disappointed, quite frankly, because she she was, you know, by now she had moved up the managerial level at, at, the, at the National Weather Service. And, you know, she I would go to her office and I you know, see people I worked for her. And I was I couldn't un, I didn't understand why she would walk away and become a science reporter. But she told me that this was the avenue uh, to be a chief meteorologist, she believed. And that she was going to, and 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 she did. I mean, there was 
there was no question in her mind to walk away from, you know, from a successful career, frankly, um, as a scientist in the world of broad to the world of broadcast journalism as a science reporter, knowing that she had more to give. And she did. Um, and then uh, when Frank Manny robbed the the, tele, the the bank um, while she was at WGR, she had only been there maybe five or six months. But believe me, from the moment she got there, as you can imagine, she was already speaking to uh, anyone that would listen <laughs> that she was a, a backup if Frank Benning was sick or, you know, whatever. You know, she, she was the, she wanted to be the go to meteorologist when the chief meteorologist wasn't on the air. Um, when uh, the chief meteorologist robbed the bank um, in the afternoon, uh, she didn't hesitate. I mean, clearly, who prepares for that? But that's, you know, you go back to chance favors that prepared mine. It was uh, within seconds she was knocking on the producer's door. Not only saying that she was ready to be the chief meteorologist, but saying she was ready to go on the air in three hours um, because she had always practiced. <laughs> so <laughs> like the the ultimate understudy. Um, so that was and and the, the rest speaks for itself. I mean, the, the public, um, the, the, that night, the next day, the next day, there were calls and God, I mean, back then there were calls more than emails um, of of how much they enjoyed the weather. I look at this trajectory and 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 see her path, um, and we don't know the how, uh, but the result <laughs> was she was became the first female meteorologist in uh, in broadcast journalism, and um, and she knew exactly what the requirements was to uh, to get you know back then it was a seal of approval, and the moment she stepped in the role of chief meteorologist, she began that journey, and she began that journey with a vengeance like. She pursued everything else because that is the highest credential by the AMS. Being regarded and and honored and and accepted and uh, by your peers is uh, is the ultimate for anyone in any profession. But she uh, crossed that that bridge and was really proud the day she got the seal because it for her that was uh, validation, you know, if you will. I mean, and, and that is uh, um, fueled her. It fueled her to, to be a speaker uh, and a supporter for other women um, and uh, and diverse meteorologists from all um, walks of life. And she really wanted to uh, share uh, the joy of, of communicating, you know, frankly, uh, weather and, and meteorology uh, with, with everyone. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like especially later in her career, she gave back a lot. She began teaching. She founded the AMS board on women and minorities. So was that a push you saw later in her career, this this giving back and continuing to learn herself and broaden her career as she continued in her own career? Um, it was actually during her career um, and later. I mean, I, so I was I uh, when she was at WGR, I was by by uh, I pursued science myself. Um, and began competing in science fairs. Um, so in order to be with me as a mother and support my science projects, uh, she went to the first one and she saw these these students with uh, weather projects. And there was no representation from the AMS. Um, there were others, you know, the American, uh, the I, I, was in, I was in the engineering portion. Um, so there were, you know, engineering professional societies, but not the AMS. And so she went to the AMS and shared. And uh, so she's the one that started uh, the AMS participating um, in, in the National Science Fairs for high school students. So it was always throughout. Um, it was never uh, uh, one without the other. 
Um, it, it was uh, she was able to be a meteorologist um, and a mother. The um, but to be able to uh, pursue my dreams and be a mom uh, and have her uh, come to the science fair and, and see me present and then go and 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 meet the the students they were interested in and and weather and uh, and uh, space <laughs> and represent the AMS. Yeah, you know, was that was well, I guess what they call multitasking. I have a question and. Tell me if this is too personal, because I I grew up in a, a similar house. My mother was an engineer. It was very much, you know, pressed upon the importance of this. She worked a lot of hours. She traveled a lot. Um, and that's how I learned about STEM careers. And I was headed for an engineering path, but then discovered this amazing world of weather. And I was like, that's so much more fun. That's so, great. <laughs> um, so I'm curious about having a mother that is such a huge role in the world. Um, and doing such important things. What is it like being just the child of that mother and perhaps not getting those um, home economic skills that <laughs> perhaps you would have liked to have, you know, the mother who can make cookies or be the yeah. real mother? That's a great question. No, I, I have no problem asking that question. That's a great question. I have uh, uh, very little home economic skills. There's so two things. One, um, my mom was very clear on on time and go to your stripes. Uh, we 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 had help. We had a, had a, had a nanny uh, who uh, she said you know her job was to be with with me and personally not you know washing my clothes because there was just no time. Not like she can't wash clothes. It's just there wasn't time to to work full time um, and to be present um, to me as a daughter, uh, which is why we had help. And she was very clear on that. And everyone was part of the family. I mean our our housekeeper was part of our family. I was also clear on my extended family. She grew up at a time when, so my aunt had the first baby in Congress, Yvonne Bathate Burke. Uh, my mom was personal friends of Martin Luther King. My mom was, grew up at a time where, uh, and, and surrounded herself, frankly, uh, in, in, in a world, in a network, a, a wider network of leaders, whether it's women or uh, of diverse men or, or white men who were leaders in their own right and who had a mission. Uh, Mission-driven, uh, mission-focused is how I was growing up. It didn't occur to me to do anything else. I mean, I knew others did other things and others had different parents and different lifestyles. I've been, a, I, you know, what is the output of that? Well, you know, I'm not a great cook. I mean, a horrible cook. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had a, a, a wonderful um, caregiver taking care of my kids. Uh, growing up, who was and, and part of the criteria when you have your list, <laughs> cooking was right up there on top. Because <laughs> I didn't want the meeting out of cans, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it it uh, it's just figuring it out, um, figuring out, you know, knowing knowing not knowing your mission, uh, knowing and part of your mission is family, uh, and and figuring out how to combine uh, family uh, with the work mission and honoring the skills as you have, uh, the skills that you were uh, born with, the, the fact that you pursued the career that you did, you're, you were obviously gifted in having the skill sets, uh, skill set to do that. Um, and, and we're so fortunate to have, you know, education and having the, <laughs> and being forthright enough and confident enough to go get the education when it was attempted to be denied. You know, that's part of our DNA as women. Because uh, there are so many obstacles, uh, uh, less so today, but still exist uh, in terms of access to ex education. Albeit, my mom was always say this, always away. 
Um, and it's not necessarily the path that you think about, but you know, that's why being prepared was 110% what she did all the time. So it's indefensible, absolutely indefensible that uh, she was uh, where she was and in, in, uh, in positions that she had, um, because it's not just from an academic perspective, but skills and experience. So tell me about how it influenced you. Where, how, tell me about your education and, and how you went about your own career. Well, for me, um, you, you know, I smile at you when, uh, when as you were given the gift to STEM, um, as was I. So for, for me, I was pre-med. Uh, you know, I'm a family of scientists and doctors. And, and my direction was pre-med. Uh, I'm grateful for that direction. So I, I graduated in 1982 and I got in med school early and realized uh, after I saw the next 10 years, that was not my path. Um, and I knew I had to keep going to school. So I went to University of Chicago immediately uh, instead of going to work and certainly wasn't going to go home. Mom, I quit. That was for sure. Um, and uh, I told her I wanted to take a year off and, and find myself. She said, well, I could find myself between the, you know, the, the math school and the, and the engineering school. I said, okay, I got it. Um, so for me, uh, FinTech and climate tech is, uh, is my primary focus. I'm a investment banker and, uh, an institutional investor, um, asset manager. And I'm very grateful to be in growth venture and, and private equity in, in particular in those so disciplines working with uh, innovation and a lot of guys. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Sounds like you're making your mom proud. I try every day. I mean, I, I really, um, I, I, there's not a day I don't think about mom and then many of the things that she said uh, and, and says, and I you know if I can make a dent, um, in advancing climate solutions, um, I am extremely grateful to to work around people where that is their their focus too, um, because we all know the uh, what where the world needs to go and there needs to be um, in the next uh, 2030, 40, and 50. Is there any advice or quick words of wisdom you think that your mom would want to offer to current? female broadcast meteorologists or future female broadcast meteorologists or all broadcast meteorologists? Her mission, her, her message never changed. I mean, from the day I remember as a young girl to, you know, frankly, the day that she passed. I mean, she retired at 89. I mean, she was not like <laughs> and died at night. I mean, she wasn't. Uh, yeah, that was the fuel. She got up in the morning because of her mission. Uh, so reach for the stars. She always said that. She said that to uh, San Mateo High School and she said that on you know, CNN, <laughs> um, reach for the stars. And she really said that with every conviction. And, you know, everyone knows what those stars are. Uh, but that is the, the mission of delivering me, uh, the weather and being in a position of broadcast journalism uh, in the world today is tremendous opportunity to reach for the stars and, and the rest will come. June Bacon-Bercy passed away in 2019 at the age of 90. Her legacy lives on within the weather community. In 2021, the American Meteorological Society's broadcast award was renamed to the June Bacon-Bercy Award for Excellence in Broadcast Meteorology. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. 
If you know someone that might be interested in today's show, a future meteorologist or a female or minority in the sciences, please share this topic with them. Let us know what you think of the show. Log on to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and give us a rating. You can also give me ideas for future episodes. Special thanks to Dale St. Clair for joining me today. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.